What a week it's been. So much to talk about and so many things we can't talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the villain Marty Scurll and you are listening to Behind, no sorry, what was it? Me and my friend Mark, we're gonna stop watching. I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. And we'd like to welcome you to Behind the Gorilla, a podcast where we delve into the wild, wacky, and crazy side of professional wrestling. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Behind the Gorilla. Um, not a whole lot of current stuff to talk about, because obviously not, not a whole lot is really going on. Um, everything's just still plodding along, although everything's starting to reopen, so hopefully we're one step closer to actually having wrestling shows that people can actually watch in person and, in turn, make them a lot more fun to watch on TV. Yeah. Yeah, no um, kidding. Especially WWE, who, man, they just they just cannot... They just can't get it down. They just cannot get any sort of good presentation down with with this type of format at all. I mean... It's and I feel like a big advantage AEW has is they are new, so there's mm-hmm. there is an excitement even amongst the employees and everything. Like there's this extra level of excitement where WWE is just this meat grinder of, you know, just no fun by the numbers, plotting through everything, and it's just it it's just been around so long that that's just what it is. And so when you watch these, you know. St- wrestling students that they've brought out which is better than nothing for sure it's just like okay i i know none of these people care because none of us care and it's just not there's just not the same energy that AEW has and also it's tough being in that position where they're like all right go out there and cheer that is not easy to do i mean uh, harris i mean we know we've been to these nwa shows where there's you know 200 people in the television studio and Mm -hmm. you're kind of part of it and you're kind of required to make it sound good. And at some point it can get tiring. Yeah. You just don't know like exactly what to chip in or say it's hard to maintain a high level of energy and enthusiasm. Even if you're there and you like the show and you're in on it and you want to be a good audience member at some point, especially during like a really long taping. Yeah. You kind of start to gas out. But I think the difference is it's the same reason that like AEW can consistently deliver something that's different and fun. And it's because they trust their performers to like figure stuff out that's interesting. And part of this is because, you know, they have, I think, more experienced indie wrestlers and a lot of the trainees at the performance center really are just learning the ropes of wrestling for the first time. Not that all of them are, but usually if you're like an indie wrestler with any experience, you're going to NXT. You're not part of the trainees at the performance center who they're pulling for these shows. Right. So with AEW, they're clearly like, all right, you're in character. Watch this wrestling show. And at WWE, they are clearly like, all right, cheer the face, boo the heel, toe the company line, like be Vince McMahon's dream crowd, basically. Yeah. And cheer the people he wants you to cheer. So this was several weeks ago, but I remember somebody pointing this out. I think it was an, I think it was an NXT show, but there's a woman there in the crowd, like one of the trainees, 
booing Charlotte Flair, which more power to her. I love to boo Charlotte Flair, but she's wearing a Charlotte Flair T-shirt because they were like <laughs> randomly given merch to be like, hey, it'll make you look like fans. And then told, OK, boo this person when they come out. Three, two, one. And there's nobody there who <laughs> cares right. that there's no internal consistency in that image at all. And she was on TV like they cut to her. You know what I mean? Like nobody cares about making it a consistent story or like a separate world where people do things that make sense to some sort of pre-existing character. That just doesn't exist. Right. So it, you're right. It's better to have a crowd, but it's not like a genuine crowd no. at all. No, Because no, they no, don't no. trust them to do anything. They micromanage it just like they micromanage so many other things. Right. I mean, for sure. I mean, that's that's why WWE's product is always going to be inferior than than AEW's. No, no, no. See, they got rid of Paul Heyman. It was all his fault. And now Bruce Pritchard's in charge of both shows. <laughs> it's so funny to me. I've been a wrestling uh, fan like six years now. Yeah. And like every two years, like clockwork, this happens. And I think has yep. happened for the last 20 years. Vince McMahon is like ratings are down. Who's in charge of the show? You're fired. We're bringing in somebody else who I fired 10 years ago. Yep. They're going to do the same thing, and this time it'll be different. It's yep. not different, Vince. But, 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 you run the shows. Right. That's the part that doesn't make any <laughs> sense is none of these people are actually in charge. Right. It's not and their every, fault. <laughs> it's incredible to me. Uh, I don't think being publicly traded is great for WWE no, just like as a creative not. force. It's not. It's hilarious to me that like every six months he has to get on a conference call with his investors and make something new up. I don't think he's making it up. I think he believes it a yeah, lot of probably. the time. Hey, why are ratings down? Uh, well, we don't Roman have Roman Reigns crowd. was injured. Yeah, well, like, we don't have any audience, correct? Sure. And we have a lot of new talent, sure, that uh, needs to get over with the crowd. You're right. Maybe don't have Charlotte Flair wrestle a 30-minute match every show when, you know, like Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot haven't been on TV in three weeks. Maybe that's how you get new talent over. I don't Maybe. know. Just spitballing there. Yeah. Um, the know, the other thing it's... is the um, – Look, I don't I don't watch WWE ever. I watched my first WWE match and since Money in the Bank. Yeah, that sounds since, right. You picked a good one to come back. Uh, in well, on. that's why I watched it, because I heard about the Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles match, which is probably the best wrestling match of any company in this this entire year and is wow. probably the best WWE match in the past. I don't know, at least three or four years that I can think of. Um, because they wrestled for like 45 minutes and through like four commercial breaks, I think. And nice. it was outstanding. I mean, it's the two best wrestlers in WWE, WWE by far. Mm -hmm. And uh, and they let them they let them they let them they let them go, which just never very rarely happens in WWE right now. But they they let them go. And I would not be surprised if this was almost if this was very much put together by AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan, um, because it felt like it and they, they killed it. They absolutely killed it for the intercontinental championship, trying to make the title mean something that won't work. AJ will try, but they won't let him. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and it was in the middle of the show. And then they had a bunch of garbage after that. And I'm sitting there like, you gotta be really, really. We come back and we see the Miz and Morrison, uh, doing like a FBI stakeout on Braun Strowman to pull some prank on him. That's what we come back to. Uh, okay. And then we have 
uh, some weird celebra- uh, champion celebration with Sasha Banks and Bailey and Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross or something in the ring for like forever. And then the main event, it's Strowman and Heavy Machinery and Ziggler, Morrison and Miz. And oh, just like, man. Wow. Um, oh, that's bad. That That's, that's how really we end bad. the show when we have a tournament for the Intercontinental <sighs> Championship. Really? That, <laughs> Can't imagine why the IC title isn't seen as valuable. I mean, AEW didn't have the TNT title like uh, in the show because it was a major pay-per-view and they finished with the ch- actual championship. Uh, this one right, had nothing then, else going for it. And you had the greatest match your company's had in years. And it's in the middle of the show. That's really funny. What's funny about that is like some of those things like, OK, if you say, well, we want to make the women's tag title seem like a big deal. So we're going to focus on this segment like that still shouldn't main event over this IC title match. No, but at least that's something Braun Strowman and friends like with the FBI stakeout or whatever, that sounds like a fun, goofy lower card thing until you remember that Braun Strowman is the universal champion. Right, I which forgot is why about they, that too, which is why they thought that had to go later in the show. Right. Boy. And, yeah. And you forget. Vince he's McMahon universal now champion. is ruining Otis by forcing him down everyone's throat. Well, yeah. I mean, and it's that's just, just like, man, this guy just does not learn, just does not learn or, or refuses one one of the two. Either you never know with Vince, which one it is like six months ago, we were like, well, he'll never let Otis win at WrestleMania. So sure, you got to acknowledge the silver linings where you can. But sure, sure, that's what happens in wrestling. Like you get over and then you get popular and then you get to the top. And Vince is like, if you know, the best case scenario is Vince buys in and then he just runs you out there every week Mm -hmm. until everyone gets sick of you and hates you. And then you're Seth Rollins. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone hates you for the rest of your career. It's true. Charlotte, all all of them. I mean, you know, Roman Reigns, it's, it's basically every, every top star they have in their company right now is basically falls in that category. Um, for the most part, also, maybe I was smart of Roman. Roman was just like, look, there's no crowd. There's no best case scenario for me here. That's also, true. I might get coronavirus and die. I'm just going to not. I'm just going to sit this one out. <laughs> um, I also think it's funny. They had the, so they have this IC tournament and the final this past Friday. Backlash is tonight as we record this on Sunday, a mm-hmm. pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. You don't do your big intercontinental final on the pay-per-view. You do it on the show before. And I thought that was weird until I saw someone comment and say, well, yeah, they don't want this match to be on the same show as the greatest match of all time. <laughs> I was just about Edge to say that. And, and uh, Randy Orton. And it was just like, and I saw that. I was like, that's 100 percent why they did this. That's exactly what it is. I'm 100%. glad you caught that because that was about to be the first thing that I said. And oh, I thought that was poor. funny. What's been very funny, and they won't do it, but I would watch a WWE 24. That was just about these two guys learning that this match is being billed as the greatest wrestling match of all time because they've both separately been like, like publicly been like, really? Really? I think Edge one day was like, I just ate a BLT and it was the greatest BLT of all time. And he like used the hashtag greatest BLT of all time. They both know it's stupid, which is very funny. Mm -hmm. And they're both big enough where they can express that it's stupid 
because right. they're the big edge is like, what are you going to do? Fire me? I don't think so. This is dumb. Right. And they um, were both literally, they both said exactly what everyone thought, which was, wait, really? Are we doing that? And creative yeah. was like, yeah, yeah, we're doing that. And they're like, doesn't that kind of put us in a terrible position because we might have a pretty good match, but the best case scenario is we have a pretty good match. And then everyone says, well, it wasn't really the best of all time. Was yep. it? Yep. Yep. And that's that's what's going to happen. They've and it ruins it because you're going to have to have Michael Cole just screaming at the top of his lungs. The greatest match ever about 60 times throughout the show. The only they won't see again. They won't do this, but I'm going to do this thing again where I try to rationalize it. If they were to make the story like, wow, that match wasn't the greatest of all time. It kind of sucked after the fact and like lean into the fact that it didn't live up to expectations, that would at least be something because it would at least acknowledge that. But even that. if they did that, then they just set up the next one to be the real greatest match of all time. <laughs> well, that's the one that ends with a low blow after 15 seconds. And, you know, <laughs> to nah, be nah, honest, nah, 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 nah. I'm not going to lie. If that happened, I think that's best case scenario in this match. Is it to just come oh, out, Randy Orton hits an RKO, pins Edge, some Edge gets distracted, right in an RKO, something like that. That would be best case scenario at this point, to be perfectly honest. Mm -hmm. Just go that mm -hmm. route. I think that's a smarter move. But anyway, um, AEW is good again. Um, I, and the biggest reason why AEW is good, other than everyone cares and you 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 just can tell. Um, and they trust their talent. To right. Be entertaining. Yeah. Right. Other than that, it's because they have like six different stories going on at any one time. Like, just constantly. So FDR had their first match, and they already have three different storylines going. Like, them wrestling Butcher and the Blade, obviously, after they beat them up in their debut last week. The long going, the uh, long-standing now feud with the Young Bucks, and then the tag team titles. All three of those are potential feuds that they now have started. Right off the bat. And it's brilliant. Because now there's always something to care about. No, no matter which direction they go in any given week. And uh, and they put on a great match with Butcher and, Butcher and Blade. Old school. It's, you have four guys who Vince would absolutely hate wrestling and putting on just absolute clinic tag team match. And it was great. It was a perfect first impression for uh, for FTR. Um, and then we proceed to have like three tag matches in a row. That might that was a little much because we had the women's <laughs> tag match and then we had the six man tag match. Uh, but but again, this show did a good job. It, it was less about the wrestling on this show and more about the storylines, which is fine. I mean, again, when you're doing weekly, you know, weekly TV, every show and every match can't be the greatest thing ever. You know, the, the biggest thing is keeping all the storylines going. And I thought they did a good job with that. We had Chris Jericho being the biggest dick in the world and beating the balls out of Orange Cassidy. <sighs> Poor guy. Poor Didn't guy. Didn't he pull out actual oranges at one point? He did. He beat him with a he beat him with that. a sack of oranges. So that was interesting. And he's uh, got to team up with Pineapple Pete, dude. They got to get their revenge. <laughs> That would that would be funny. But uh, Orange Cassidy did get the pin in that tag match against the Inner Circle with uh, best friends. That was that was fun. And uh, Inner Circle, again, continues to just look great as an awesome faction. And and think about it, though. Uh, they started on the first episode of Dynamite in October. So we're how many months? Eight months? Not no, like 
10 months, something. Yeah. Nine, into, nine or 10 months into in, the, yeah. into this run. When's the last time WWE has had like a faction for more than like a couple of months? I don't know. I'm thinking, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking anything more than a tag team is right. Virtually. Yeah. Non-existent. Right. And so it's been I almost mean, undisputed a, era sure. in NXT. That's the sure. only one. But so it's been almost a year. Do you feel like this thing is losing any steam whatsoever? Or you feel like they're just getting started? No, I feel like they're kind of hitting their stride, actually. (laughs) Right, because that's the way it works. It takes a little while to to get stuff like this built up and really going. And I think they're doing a great job with it. I think they're they're doing a good job of they're staying heels, even though people like them. Mm -hmm. We also still don't want to see them win. It's like this perfect combination of what a heel needs to be, especially in this day and age. It's the perfect way to get a heel group over with this type of wrestling fan with like the smart mark type wrestling fans where you know what these guys are like in real life and you like all these guys and they're and they're entertaining so you like them but they're still just annoying enough that you don't want to see them win though and it's it's they, they do a really good job and they're they do what any good heel should do, which is they're willing to be the butt of the joke yes, a lot of the yes. time. And they're still serious and they deserve to be taken seriously. But when they lose, they lose pretty big and yeah. it's funny and it's entertaining to watch. You know oh, what I and, mean? And like when the, they win, they never win clean ever. They always they always win cheating or with the numbers or something like that, like always, which is another like 101 heel 101. <laughs> You don't win clean. You win by cheating or something, something along those lines. You win unfairly and they do every time they win. It's unfairly. And uh, so that was good. Uh, Sammy Guevara got a singles match against Colt Gabbana, which was fun. Again, I think Sammy Guevara is going to be the biggest baby face in the world in like a year or two whenever he turns on inner circle, uh, which Jericho even mentioned on his latest (laughs) podcast with the inner circle. At some point he said that he was like, Sam Guevara is going to be a huge heel when you finally turn on all of us or a huge baby face. And it was like, yes, yes, he is, because I feel like his style and his character, it fits a baby face a little bit more than a heel. Um, but I think that's going to be a good example of, look, you got to start as a heel. You almost always have to start as a heel to be a, a top baby face at this point. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we could see that. And then the main yeah, event no. was, huh? What? Go ahead. I was just going to say in a year and a half when he's babyface and Darby Allen is a heel, that's going to be like the best feud in professional wrestling. I don't know. I was thinking Sammy Guevara and MJF wrestling for the AEW championship mm. that MJF has cheated to hold on to for like nine months. I can see that, too. I can see that, too. But I read you probably heard this. I didn't hear it straight from him. But didn't Jericho say he wanted to get MJF into inner circle? And uh, they yeah. ended up not doing that which is the correct decision. which they like, did that is... on the show too like in like week number two or three back oh, in october really? yeah yeah they did a thing where he was trying to recruit mjf and mjf's like nah you guys no, I, like, he's like the correct it's like decision. i don't need you guys you guys need me and, and jericho would be like no 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 you don't uh, anyway they they did this funny thing where they went back and forth with stuff like that because they're both great like that on the mic and it was very right. funny um but yeah, that was one of the first people he wanted. And they're like, nah, he's going to do his own thing. You're like, yes, yes, he is <laughs> because he needs to because he's a national treasure. <laughs> uh, he makes anything he's a part of so much more entertaining. 
which is fantastic. <laughs> um, but the main event was awesome. Again, we got this TNT thing, TNT championship getting defended every week, getting Mark Quinn, getting his first single singles match, I think, in AEW. And uh, they tore it down again. Him and Cody tore it down again. Cody style works with everyone. He's the, he's the perfect wrestler to morph with any other type of wrestler. And uh, they killed it. And and again, just as we thought when they announced it so far, it's been fantastic. And I can't wait to keep for it to keep going. And I think I think he's wrestling Jake Hager for the title Ooh. on Wednesday. Cool. I think I don't I don't remember exactly, but I think he is. And so so I do have kind of this is a nitpicky question. Because it is obviously good, and you're right. Does it stop being an open challenge if he just announces every week beforehand who he's fighting? Ah, uh, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. really care. I mean, like that's fine. I, I but... think what they're trying to do it is, um... oh, no, okay, okay, no, never mind. He's wrestling Jake Hager at the at Fighter Fest. That's going to be the the title match uh, again. Mm. It, but but the big thing is if he still has the title. Right. Um, and I think they're doing it where Arn Anderson is picking the uh, opponents for Cody. I think that's how they're billing it. I don't remember exactly. But anyway, it's perfect. And it gets it gets everyone over each time. And it's so entertaining. And you immediately put stakes in it, too. So there's a reason mm -hmm. for it to be happening. Yeah, it's great. Um, anyway, but a good a good show of AEW again. Again, I haven't really seen a bad show. The worst I've seen from AEW is maybe an okay show. So uh, they still kill it. But anyway, that's just current stuff on wrestling. Just talk about for no reason. No one else wants to listen to. And uh, now it's time to get into the actual episode of the show. Some ridiculous, stupid wrestling topic that Harris has oh, picked boy. out for us. And um, I really, really hope. It's not as stupid as DX in Little People's Court, which I was miserable doing last week. So go it's, for it. It's, I don't think it is. I think it's it's dumb. Don't get me wrong, but it's dumb in like a more conventional. Hey, this is a pro wrestling angle way. Not like, hey, this is bad, absurdist comedy in a fantasy realm of little people. And, and way. we're insulting an entire group of people in the process. Yeah. Yeah. Who, right. you know, have never been picked on or discriminating no. against before no 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 especially not by bad. wwe well it's look it's still problematic but just for different <laughs> reasons um we're gonna shake things up a little bit we're going back to tna everybody hey. we don't have a lot of episodes in tna no we don't uh what maybe four three four? yeah four or five Let's not see. because yeah, tna not, not is always good and never had bad or stupid things happen but just because TNA is very hard to like dig up tapes for. It is kind of tough. Well, uh, they have their own network now, so well, yeah. But I'm not paying them. Money <laughs> right, <for this>. right. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know, I know, I know. I feel you there. Uh, no, I, I can only think of three times because I've done one on Abyss. We did one on the Joker Sting, and we did one on the AJ Styles Claire Lynch thing, which was boy, that might be the worst thing TNA's ever done. Um. Is that it? Are those only three that we've done? I see. I don't remember if we've done one or two other ones or if I've just heard about them separately from like other wrestling, you know, videos I, or podcasts. I think those I think are the only three that we've done that I can remember. So, yeah, we haven't touched on a lot of TNA, which there's a lot to touch oh, on. We did there. King Maxwell. That was the other one. Oh, yeah, that was TNA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OK, so four. Yeah. 
boy, but we, we should probably get back into TNA. There's a, there's a plethora of garbage in some of those mm, years. Mm, mm. Funnily enough, this the bulk of the I like, story I like that place. word. Which one? Funnily. I do too. The bulk of this story <laughs> takes place in 2010, which is around oh, the same okay. time as the DX stuff. This is a super like – I don't know why I think about this a lot, but a lot of the topics we cover are like 2009 or 2010. Yeah. It's a weird I feel time. like it's like, like any of the ruthless aggression, like shine has worn off. They know that like they're in some sort of like reality era where the fans know more of what's going on than ever, but they can never quite like work that into an angle in a way that makes sense or they rarely do. So you have things like CM Punk's pipe bomb, which is like some of the best stuff in wrestling. But then you also have like John Cena feuding with John Laronitis, just like garbage that lasts. Oh yeah, and that goes power nowhere. to the people was a lot of fun. Oh uh, yeah. So anyway, we're talking about Kurt Angle today. Yay. I don't. Kurt Angle. Uh, we haven't talked much about Kurt Angle. No, well, there's a reason for that. He's probably, he's good. <laughs> yes, he's one of the most like naturally gifted professional wrestlers of all time. I'm going to yeah. go ahead and make that statement because he's a great. Wrestler, I don't know if you know this, Mark, but he actually won a gold medal once, and he wow. wasn't even at full health when he did it. You know, he, he, he might have even been here when he won it. Yeah, that's so wild, isn't it? <laughs> Think about that a lot. So, Kurt Angle here being Atlanta for anyone that yeah, doesn't yeah, know, we're from it. If if you listen to this and you don't know us personally, yeah, we live in Atlanta. Yeah, we do. It's cool. <laughs> anyway anyway famously won a gold medal in atlanta 1996 broken freaking neck yep debuted with wwe in 1998 and that same year he uh he also got married and that's not really a particularly important note in terms of his wwe career because you where know this is going it's not like she ever was on tv because no. he is like a very gifted amateur wrestler and also just got what pro wrestling is instantly. Like I said, probably one of the most talented people he I, I to think ever go into pro I, wrestling. I think without a doubt he's the fastest I don't know what you would say, fastest learning or yes t- professional wrestler probably of all time. Like, literally going from I mean he never trained professional wrestling ever. He was a real no. wrestler and then within no. a year and a half Two years, he was like a top star in WWE. And there are people. Yes. And there are people that like the other one I think of is Ronda Rousey, because, again, she had that physical background, came to WWE. And we've talked about this in the past. Like some people, even if they're actors or entertainers, don't understand that gear that professional wrestling has where it's live theater and you have to interact with the crowd and you have to know how to work people and you have to introduce this theatricality into your moveset in order to get over as a professional wrestler, good guy or bad guy. But the difference is Ronda Rousey like grew up watching wrestling. She likes wrestling. That's why she was rowdy Ronda Rousey. And she didn't want to be rowdy Ronda Rousey until like Roddy Piper's family told her, no, no, that's cool. You go for it. Cause she didn't want to be disrespectful to Roddy Piper. Like she got pro wrestling. Mm -hmm. Kurt Angle never watched pro wrestling. He just finished as a wrestler and the UFC wasn't really a thing or it was a thing, but it wasn't super popular. So he's nah. like, I guess I'll be a pro wrestler. Let's figure oh, out what okay. this is all about. Sorry. I just and wanted to just mention, did I, it. I'm sorry. I didn't want to, I didn't, I don't mean to interrupt you. I just no, wanted cool. to, uh, 
to mention this because that that's a great point. Yeah, UFC was still like very raw and not popular and brutal and still trying to figure out what exactly they were in the uh, in the late 90s. That I mean, UFC was nothing until the Ultimate Fighter in what, like 2001 or two or whenever, whenever that went on TV. I don't remember um, when exactly it was, but yeah, that was like it was they were they were close to going out of business until the finale oh yeah. of that first season of the ultimate, which if you haven't Fighter. seen it wasn't a stable career path, which if you haven't seen that fight between Forrest Griffin and Stephen Bonner, it's freaking incredible. Um, but uh, so I was thinking, though, because I just I just rewatched Warrior last week, which is one of my top five favorite movies of all time. And Kurt Angle is the big bad Russian fighter in that Wait, really? Wait, have you not seen this movie? I've seen the movie once, but I never even noticed that. I'm oh, trying yeah. to remember when I watched it. I wonder if it was before I was arrested. It might have been because it came out in 2011. And uh, but Kurt Angle is wild. Koba, the big <laughs> d- destroy, d- like destructive, unstoppable Russian fighter in this tournament. And he's awesome and terrifying. And I. I was sitting there watching this and every time I do, I'm just like, man, imagine if Kurt Angle had come into everything in like 2006 and just went straight into UFC. He would probably be this for real. I mean, like, again, I don't know how good of a striker he he would end up being, but in my mind, he, he would have probably ended up being this with how fast he picked up everything else. I feel like he could have been one of the best UFC fighters ever if it was just in, yeah. that, in the right era. But, I mean, um, look at what look at what Brock Lesnar did. Brock right. Lesnar did the same thing. Yes, Came yes, to WWE for a few years and then was like, eh, I'm kind of bored of this. I'm just going to go fight people for real. And then he became the UFC heavyweight With, like, champion. No skill set. No, no, you know, very little. What? A couple years of formal training and that type yeah. of stuff. And then just just physically destroyed people anyway. Well, after yeah. the first fight, he just. You know, just went out there and no, again, like the sloppiest things ever. He's just so big and strong. He's like, I'm just going to pound my fist on you until you're out. And uh, yeah. yeah, I feel and like if Kurt Angle hadn't broken his neck, that that's probably another factor with mm-hmm. him doing something mm-hmm. like that. But if he was like, you know, if his neck didn't get so destroyed, I, I feel like Kurt Angle would have been Brock Lesnar probably and could have maybe even been better than than Brock Lesnar was. Yeah. We'll never know. We'll never know. But yeah, watch Warrior again. It's freaking incredible. That's so funny. Okay, but so all that to say, I, this is a this is a fun conversation. But waxing poetic <laughs> about Kurt Angle a little bit because he took to pro wrestling like a fish to water. Just huge star in WWE was one of the biggest people in the company in the business for years. You suck. Uh, we're not talking about that today, though, except to say that it happened, uh, and to point out that yeah, he was married to his wife Karen Angle and you never knew that because she's not a wrestler she's not an actor she's not an entertainer she's just a person who happened to be married to Kurt Angle and he was a very good pro wrestler anyway welcome to TNA everybody it's been a few years Kurt Angle Kurt Kurt Angle's pretty banged up at this point he's done a lot more damage to his body yeah there's a little bit of a he said she said when it when he's wrapping up his career in wwf and you know different people will say different things kurt angle will say you know i was hurt i was beat up i wanted to work more part-time let my body heal you know pretty typical like wrestlers getting a little older and wants to slow down stuff wwe is like yeah you were banged up 
and you were massively abusing prescription painkillers yeah. to the point where you were becoming unreliable and we wanted you to go to rehab. Uh, so you left like that's kind of the, the dispute. Right. How much is true? You know, I, I, I'm not researching that because that's not what this show's about. But, you know, he had some issues. Right. That That's kind of just the main point to the point where, like, when he signed with TNA, a lot of people are like, are you exploiting this man? Are you letting him like live his life in a self-destructive way so you can have him on your show? Eh, maybe, maybe not. Either way, they make the brilliant decision, whether bringing in Kurt Angle was the right decision or not. They make the decision to bring in Kurt Angle with his real life wife, Karen, as part of like, you know, he's faced for a while. When he turns heel, it's with Karen. Sure. And it's not – it's not like for youth pastor heat. It's not like, look at me and my smoking hot wife. Like that's not what they're doing. She's just helping him win. Like she gets introduced in a few, this is not really the point of the episode either, but she's introduced when he's feuding with Samoa Joe and Samoa Joe. That is, is cutting, an awesome know. feud. I didn't get to watch a lot of it. Cause again, it seems like it was pretty good. Yeah. That's, that's how angle I, came into the company. Jo- Joe right, was right. this, you know, upstart dominant, force and then angle was the one come in and they made a huge mistake by having kurt angle beat samoa joe in their first pay-per-view match that was really dumb but okay. anyway but it was still awesome sweet so as part of i don't know if this is right after he got there but they're feuding and samoa joe is talking about how he's gonna he's gonna take everything away from kurt angle starting with his wife and karen's like that's right i'm with samoa joe and i want a divorce <laughs> so she's been here for like uh, 20 samoa minutes joe always has to take people's wives it's weird, isn't it? but it kind of makes sense because he's just a big bad dude and that's kind of a natural – somewhat lazy but natural storytelling beat. Sure. But she like she turns on him at the pay-per-view, realigns with Kurt Angle like it was a big bust. Nothing really happened there. <laughs> so now you know she's heel and she's with Kurt Angle helping him win matches for a while and it's not, it's not really good but like yeah, OK. You know, it's cheating to win. He's a good heel. I don't care about Karen, but like whatever, it's fine. Nothing bad enough to warrant an episode, frankly. But this is where Kurt Angle's kind of troubled personal history comes into play because in real life, they're going through some marital difficulties. They separate and they eventually divorce. And the reason that we have an episode about this here today is because while they were separating, while they were separated, you know, what, how official everything was and whether or not he thought things were going to work back out, again, kind of impossible to track down and know for sure. But while they were separated, Karen Angle started seeing or talking to or having an affair with one Jeff Jarrett. And uh, Harris, would you like to explain the significance of Jeff Jarrett at this time period? Why don't you? Because I think you, you <laughs> know what you're going for more than I do. Basically, Jeff Jarrett is like running the company. Yeah, he's a big for more or less. TNA like he, he was he was the creative head of TNA, TNA's inception in, in 2002. Yeah. It was really all him. And he was he was never the owner because, I mean, it was always invest, you know, owned by a couple different companies. But mm-hmm. he was kind of the head booker creative however you want to say it he he was one of those for i don't know till like the late 2010s 
something around. I don't remember when he left, but it was some, it was for a long time. Yeah. And he kept trying like, you know, cause every like two years, Vince McMahon fires his writers and TNA almost goes bankrupt and then doesn't. <laughs> yeah. And every time that happens, Jeff Jarrett is there and he's trying to like swoop up the intellectual property and start his own show like every single time. So, yeah, like, he, you know, old hand veteran, a lot of creative input. Frankly, I don't know a ton about his career as a performer, but he's always struck me as like and I'm going to use this comparison a few times. He's like Chris Jericho with like a third of the charisma, like just kind of <laughs> like he's good. Yeah, he's good on the mic. He's good in the ring. He's good at being this obnoxious heel, but he's not great at any of it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I don't know if you're a he, huge he's, Jeff Jarrett, Mark, like he's not bad. He's, he's good. He's better in the ring than he is as a personality. Um, very good in the ring, but. He was one. Of, and I love how Bischoff talks about because Bischoff was never a huge fan of Jeff Jarrett. Not I mean, he he's friends with Jeff Jarrett like he likes the guy a lot, but he was never a big fan of him being like a main event star. Right. And, and then but he was Vince Russo's little golden boy in the, mm-hmm. in like 2000. And so that's why he was WCW champion for like two years straight on and off. <laughs> and and no one really cared because he's just kind of Jeff Jarrett. And, you know, I mean, he's an, I mean, he's great and everything. He's in the WWE Hall of Fame and he had a good early night or like mid 90s run in the WWE um, where he he was he had a horseman thing in the early like somewhere in there with WCW as well. And then left and was in WWE in the Attitude Era and then back in WCW, the end of the run there. I don't know. He's had a very weird career when it comes to where he's been and what he's done. But I think your your explanation of he's good at a lot of things and not really great at any of them, I think that's a pretty apt description of yeah. uh, of, of Jeff Jerry. So at any rate, so that's, you know, a little bit of your background info. And yeah, now he's talking to slash dating slash having an affair with Kurt Angle's wife uh, for real in real life. So what do we do? What do we do with this situation where we have a very real love triangle with three of our top stars? Woo. Uh, Dixie Carter sent Jeff Jarrett home and was like, listen, this is weird. This is unprofessional. It's going to be trouble. Just take a leave of absence while you're seeing this man's wife. Cause I don't want this infecting the locker room. That was, like, yeah, good <laughs> sure, for her. Sure. That's probably the best business decision she's ever made. He's just gone for like five months and it's not like a storyline thing. They're just like, listen, that's fine. Like you're adults, but stop. Like, don't be here for a while. <laughs> if this is what you're going to do, if you're going to get like in, if we're going to muck up each other's personal lives, like just be professional and let's just keep it away from the workplace for a while. So he just goes home for a while. He's just he's not, you know, he's not on TV. He's he's on a hiatus. Yeah. Great. Good. All right. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Awesome. Good for them. You know, like genuinely, when I got to this point, that's you're thinking, oh, God, they're going to make it an angle. And they're going to make some sort of pun out of that because it's Kurt and Karen angle. Mm -hmm. No, Dixie's like, no, man, just go home. Walk it off. Like, great. Sort your stuff out. Come back. We'll be adults about this. Good for her. Good for them. You know, they didn't they didn't like Edge and Lita and Matt Hardy. They just said, nope, cutting it off. Figure it out. Come back when you do. And then they did. So that's great. Uh, But we're still talking about it for this episode. So, oh, boy, 
A few months have gone by now. Kurt Angle's still in TNA. They're still clicking along. And he starts out on what I would like to watch more of, but I didn't have time to go into a ton of detail for this episode. Sounds like a genuinely like great to pretty good pro wrestling angle. Like TNA is experimenting with a ranking system at this point. So Kurt Angle comes back. It's it's May of 2010 at this point. He left to get some sort of surgery. He's He's well and truly divorced from his wife at this point. Just doing his job, working at TNA. When he comes back from injury, he's the number two contender to the TNA World Heavyweight title. But Kurt Angle, he can kind of sense that he's getting long in the tooth a little bit. And he says, no, 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 no. I'm going to earn this spot. I'm not just going to be given anything. So he forfeits his place in the rankings because he says, I'm going to fight every single person in the top 10 to prove that I'm the best contender for this title. And then he does. And again, I didn't watch all of this because it sounds like a good angle and that's not really what we do here. But he spends all summer like systematically clawing his way back up the rankings, fighting all these other TNA wrestlers. And eventually they have a tournament to like finally, you know, like the title gets vacated at some point. He fights Jeff Hardy in the semifinals. They go to a draw. They add five more minutes. They go to a draw again. The fight is stopped because Kurt Angle is cut and like can't finish, which I know like, you know, if you like blading, that's probably kind of annoying. But from a booking perspective, that's a pretty great way to like put over how even these two guys are. If you just stop the fight. Was this the match where Jeff Hardy broke Kurt Angle's ribs with a swanton bomb? Mm, I don't know. Okay. Again, that happened at some point in one of these one of their matches. It was hilarious. He just crunched him with all oh, the weight man. of his body. Ouch. <laughs> and I'm, it was awesome. I'm going to guess it was a different match because like the way they book it is they say, OK, we've had these two guys fight twice in the semifinals to no decision. We're going to make the finals for the vacant TNA heavyweight title, a triple threat between right. Kurt Angle, Jeff Hardy and Mr. Anderson. And they have this match. It's the main event of Bound for Glory, like their biggest show of the year. Really cool, like, booking decision. I like what they've done all the way up until this point. The match is pretty good, and I don't like – I think if Kurt Angle's ribs were broken, I would have noticed because it's sure, a pretty sure, good sure. match. Like, it's not they, – they don't mention that at all, so that must have been, must have been you know, a different thing. And not so not only do we have this fun, like, Kurt Angle really put over as a hardcore, you know, badass athlete hunting down all these people, clawing his way into the title match, but – Kurt Angle has actually wagered his career on this match. And he's kind of at the point now, like he's been around for a while. It's 2010 at this point. He debuted in 97, 98, and he wrestled for a long time before that. He's got some serious injuries. So he's to the point where he it, it's kind of Shawn Michaels territory. Like yeah. he's still good and he can still have a great match. But if he decides to have a great match at the end of a great story and call it, like you wouldn't be that surprised. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So when he says, if I don't win the title at Bound for Glory, I'm giving up my professional wrestling career, it's got some pretty good weight to it. Like it's sure. it's earned and there's some believability to it, whatever happens. Now, I don't remember if we discussed this in the Abyss episode. Uh, we probably did. But at Bound for Glory 2010, the show ends with Jeff Hardy turning heel allying himself with Hulk Hogan, Eric Bischoff, Jeff Jarrett, and Abyss, and forming the stable Immortal. Yeah. So we have a new 
cool heel faction that runs the company. If that sounds familiar, it's because that's exactly what they did before in WCW. And Angle has been forced to retire from pro wrestling. Now, it's a triple threat. He wasn't pinned. Anderson was pinned by Jeff Hardy. They just they beat him up, rolled him out of the ring and then pinned Anderson. So they they very intentionally like screwed Kurt Angle, wanted him gone. And now, you know, we've got this big bad heel faction that has all the power and they run the company. So is forming a heel faction of five established superstars kind of stupid? Yeah, but that's mm-hmm. not really what this episode's about. There's still some potential here for a good story. Like imagine if Kurt Angle goes rogue and is like, I did not lose that match clean. I wasn't even pinned. This is BS and I'm going to raise hell, you know, and take the fight to immortal. And you could have this sort of like, even if they say, no, you lost the match, you're retired, you're banned from TNA. Like he can be like sting and stone cold, Steve Austin rolled into one, like just attacking immortal acting as this vigilante, just doing something, fight the power a little bit. And, you know, providing some sort of entertaining feud with this massive new heel stable you have. And even if, you know, angle wants to slow down, you can just have him do run-ins occasionally and, you know, be a thorn in immortal side for a while until eventually he comes back and, you know, retires in an actual clean finish. a la Shawn Michaels where somebody actually, you know, beats him clean. Right. No, we're just going to talk about his divorce again. That's all we're going to (laughs) do. We're just going to make it about that. Like Kurt Angle comes out the next night on Impact, and he's he's playing the you know he's playing the clean babyface. He's like, listen, I said I was going to retire from professional wrestling. I'm sticking to that, even though I wasn't pinned. Like he points that out, right. which I think is fair. You know, leave that little bit of intrigue. But he's like, listen, I, I'm a man of my word. I just want to know why. Why did you guys turn on me? Why did you beat me up? The crowd is is popping for him, you know, begging him, please don't go. Please Is Mr. Anderson go. out please there wondering go. why also? No, I don't know what he's up to. Oh, okay. I feel like he has more of a right to be upset. I mean, he's don't kind of the one who got pinned, but, you know, okay, that, that's yeah. fine, that's fine. I see where the focus yep. is. Yep, you know. But, like, all you have to do is say, yeah, we wanted to run roughshod over TNA, this is our company now, and we didn't think we could trust you, we want you out. Now, if you want to join us, if you want to get on the winning team and join Immortal, then we can forget this ever happened and give you your career back. Like there's a way to pitch this yeah. where you continue to get them over as heels that want to run roughshod over this company and promote Kurt Angle as a character. Like is he tempted? Does he say, no, absolutely not. I made a promise. And even though I hate you, I'm sticking to it. Like whatever. Just be honest and say, hey, we just didn't trust you and don't want you in our company. So we can roll over everybody, Kurt Angle. Like, just do something like that. Sure. Or you can just have Jeff Jarrett come out and be like, yeah, you got me sent home from TNA because I was hooking up with your wife. And I'm angry about that. So I wanted you to lose your career. Uh, so that's what th- that's what they do. Did I mention Vince Russo is booking all of this? Oh, yeah. No, yeah, 100%. <laughs> that is, yeah. <sighs> You know, so he's he doesn't mention like being put on hiatus explicitly, but he cuts some very generic, like perfectly serviceable bad guy promo about how Kurt Angle took everything away from him. 
So he's going to take everything away from Kurt Angle, starting with his wife, Karen. And the crowd goes, ooh, because Karen, his real-life wife, has been a character on the show at this point. Because right. people thought that was interesting. So Kurt Angle, of course, <laughs> the white meat baby face in this I, I think I think you can substitute people with Vince. Uh, yeah. So Kurt Angle, ever the white meat baby face in this feud, he doesn't say, oh, hey, listen, man, you know, that's – that's kind of personal. He doesn't say, you know, listen, we had our problems. We went our separate ways. No, he just says, Hey, listen, Jeff Jarrett, you can keep that little slut. Uh, Massive uh, pop uh, from uh, the crowd. Oh, you stole it. I was about to be like, and the crowd goes wild. Yeah, they do. They love it. Wrestling they fans. absolutely love it. Woo. Oh, geez. So, but like, okay, that's bad. And the fact that they're bringing up Karen and the fact that she's now with Jeff Jarrett is bad. The rest of this promo is still fine. Like, I, 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 it's not how I would have booked this feud going forward for, like, the third time they've taken it in a direction I would not have. But <laughs> there's still, like, the roots of a fine pro wrestling feud here. Kurt Angle is like, listen, this has always been your show, and when I showed up, I was a threat to you, and you've always hated me. And, you know, you've been holding other talent at TNA down to put yourself over and that's why you can't stand me. And Jeff Jarrett's like, that's totally not what it is, but it's totally what it is. Like, this is a good, <laughs> you know, quasi real life, real life. He, Jeff Jarrett is the power figure here. You know, they're playing yeah. off of all of that. And then eventually, yeah. you know, he, he baits Kurt into, you know, trying to run at him since he runs the show. He's got his own security. They beat Kurt Angle up. They throw him headfirst into the barricade. There's a great little like character moment where, because all of the security now works for immortal, like they're not coming out to stop it. But Taz at the commentary table is like, you're going to kill him. Stop. And like breaks character gets up and calls them off and like helps Kurt angle to the back, which is kind of a cool, like puts over the seriousness of the moment and how powerful and corrupt immortal is. Cause nobody's coming out from the back to stop him. Cause the people that run the show are the ones beating him off. That was kind of a nice touch. And then Kurt angle yeah. is off TV. You know, he's retired got beat up. He's out. And TNA just kind of keeps rolling. So now, you know, that was in the fall. That was in October. Or so now it's December and Jeff Jarrett is taking on Samoa Joe in a submission match. And he's Luck. clearly, yeah, well, he's clearly working through some things here because it's, he's doing like this midlife crisis sort of gimmick where he's basically doing Brock Lesnar cosplay. Like he thinks he's an MMA fighter. So he comes out to the ring and he's got, he's got, like, he's got I forgot all about that. Yes. I totally remember when Jeff Jarrett was coming out in MMA gear. Yeah. Oh, so he's got, I like, completely forgot about that. It's hilarious. It is dude. It's again, it's, it's pretty good. Like it's he's got the great. fight shorts. His hands are Isn't this up. where His Karen is constantly like, what are you doing? Like you're not, Yes, you're not a fighter. Yeah, it's very much the uh, the David Arquette angle from from 2000 <laughs> with Courtney Cox being like, you're not a wrestler. It's very much that. Yeah, yeah. It, but, you know, and you can tell he's trying to prove, you know, how how hard he is and the best well, way to do or that. Or it's of like John Favreau and friends. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> yeah, like he's just he's in over his head, but he's trying to prove something to someone, I guess, himself. That's great. And, you know, ah, what better yes. way to put over what a tough, you know, badass MMA fighter you are than beat Samoa Joe, the submission machine in a submissions match. Right. 
and it's total, it's total like chickenish heel 101. Samoa Joe got injured the week before, I assume, in a beatdown. So he's limping, like his knees all messed up. And Jarrett knows it and targets the knee. And like they have a good match, and there's a lot of back and forth. But because Samoa Joe is injured in the first place, and like his knee and his ankle are busted up, and he was going at like, you know, 60% coming into this fight, he eventually beats Samoa Joe. He uses an ankle lock on his bad leg. Right. And he gets the win. And it's not like, it's not a clean win because Samoa Joe was hurt, but it's not a blatant, like he doesn't hit him with a chair or anything before that happens. It's just dirty. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not a gimmick cheating thing. It's just a dirty win and everybody knows it. Uh, Well, again, it's not like Kurt, it's not like Jeff Jarrett isn't an established superstar wrestler. So like, you know, he can beat people. You know, right. it, yeah. So, yeah, no, I know what you're talking. So about. they but they they protected Samoa Joe, right. by Putting him into this match injured. And it allows you to send Jeff Jarrett just straight to the stratosphere in terms of like cocky, delusional heel. Mm-hmm. And this is where he really, really, really starts to remind me of Jericho, because the next episode of Impact, he announces that he's going to have his own. Open MMA challenge with a hundred thousand dollar cash prize to anybody in the building who can force him to submit. And he calls he doesn't even call it an open challenge. He calls it the double J double M A open challenge. Brilliant. Which is yeah, just the the worst <laughs> thing I've ever heard. That's the most heelish thing of all time. It's kind of great. But any man, woman, or child in the building, anybody in the arena who wants to come down and try to make him tap, you get $100,000. And while he doesn't actually kick the crap out of a child, like it kind of <laughs> makes it sound like he might, <laughs> we do get a few great weeks of him calling out and running down different fans. And like every week <laughs> – he finds an excuse to like not pick certain people, right? Because he's not actually that, you know, he's he's fine, but he's not like this incredible badass that he believes he is. And he clearly knows that because like what he'll do is he comes out into the arena. And he's like, all right, who wants to do it? Who wants to do it? And all the people in the crowd are like, pick me, pick me, pick me. I can do it. <laughs> and he'll find like this real like there's a really jacked guy in the front row and he's probably a plant, but like it's done well. It's not super transparent that these people aren't people, you know, like they blend in well. So this guy's a stud, like he's jacked, right? Like head to toe. And Jeff Jarrett's like, what are you kidding? You probably gas out in 30 seconds. I want to give these people their money's worth. You can't do it. I'm picking somebody else, you know? And he's, he's just running down all these different people. He's like, what about you, big boy? No, I don't think so. The only thing you could submit is a Chinese buffet. Get him out of here. I'm not fighting you, you know? And he ends up picking some little twerpy guy who comes out to the ring. He's got like glasses on and Jeff Jarrett slaps the glasses off of his face and chokes him out. And he's like, yeah, I did it. I win. I'm the best. And we move on to next week. And it's we, we've, we've turned the corner into Andy Kaufman territory. Yeah. And like, this I found this topic in this particular thing we're going to talk about from my favorite wrestling series, Historically Significant Disasters of Wrestling, which is a series <laughs> on cage side seats that just goes through all these horrible things that have happened in wrestling history. I've used it as an inspiration for a lot of episodes, but the, the author of that article really hates this and thinks it makes TNA look like weak and insecure about itself as a wrestling company. I couldn't disagree more because the entire point is that Jeff Jarrett is this delusional douchebag. Right. 
who is very clearly the butt of the joke and is just ducking any real competition to make himself feel better about himself. And the fact that he's doing it as this double MA open challenge is just to highlight the fact that he's like looking for some sort of special advantage to make him feel like a badass. Like the only problem I really have with this is that every single time I watch it, I just think this should be Chris Jericho and it would be three times as good. <laughs> this should be Chris Jericho in AEW right now. Like whenever inner circle burns out, oh, this is yeah. what he should be doing in AEW yeah, is this yeah. modified, like tough man MMA open challenge where he just runs down the crowd and beats up jobbers every week. Well, he, he even did that thing back a few months ago when kind of AEW was kicking off where he was doing all this MMA training. That's where his Judas effect Exactly. comes from that's how he met Hager and how Hager yeah. even got in the company was from him, him training at Batista's MMA gym. And uh, yeah, no, so that would be perfect. Yeah, you're right. That would be fantastic for Jericho to do that. It fits right. perfectly. So, exactly. So that's my only real problem with this. It's just I'm watching it and I'm like, this is pretty good, but I can see it being better. But that's, you know, he can't help that. Like this is this is fun, dumb pro wrestling. And he comes out week after week doing this. And every single week, like some different schmuck, he ends up picking from the crowd for his open challenge who he'll like batter with a few knees and then put in a chokehold and beat in like 30 seconds every week. And after a few weeks, he comes out and he says, OK, OK, now everyone listen up. I've had to make a few changes to the double J, double M.A. open challenge to appease TNA legal because they're getting really worried. So instead of just having them <laughs> verbally consent, we've got a contract here, you know, for them to sign on the dotted line and make it all binding. We're going to get rid of the $100,000 stipulation because I just want this to be an exhibition. I want to make sure, you know, they know nobody's going to get hurt and they, you know, the stakes won't be too high, which doesn't make a lot of sense except for where we're going with this. And then he says, and the other rule we're changing is um, nobody who's taller than me is eligible for the double J double M a open challenge. Cause I don't want to, I don't want anybody to get seriously hurt, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense, yes, but it's absolutely perfect. It for does what make he's sense. Doing. He doesn't want anyone to get hurt. AKA himself. Well, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> but like, I don't like, what is the kayfabe? Like if anybody's taller than him, they have longer limbs and he can break them more easily or whatever. Like it doesn't make any sense. Other than obviously he just does – he just wants to pick people who are easy for him to beat up, right? So like under the modified rules this week, he's got a written contract. He starts picking out different people. He finds a kid, like a literal teenager, and he's like, oh, how about you, kid? What do you think? What are you going to do? And the kid's like, yeah, I can do it. I'll beat you. And he's like, why do you think you can beat me? And the kid's like – I'm a junior black belt world champion. Let's do it. And Jeff Jarrett's like, oh, well, that's great, kid, but you'll be taller than me one day. So you're disqualified. Get out of here. Perfect. Yeah, Perfect. it's a it's a great little touch. So he's you know, he's clearly making this up on the fly, running down different people in the crowd like he he turns down a challenge from a woman at one point, you know, because he doesn't want to hurt a woman. But she's like Jack, like she looks like she could beat him up. And it's fun to watch because he's pretty good. Like this is a classic, you know, heel routine. But also I get it because Jeff Jarrett is the kind of person where like if you're the average like relatively fit 25-year-old in the crowd, there's definitely a part of your brain that's like, I think I might be able to beat this guy up. <laughs> I don't I don't know if you could. Like he's bigger and stronger than you give him credit for. 
as a pro wrestler. Well, he's but, a professional wrestler and that right, came up in the 90s. Him, like, like, he's not small. Right. But, like, it plays into his whole heel character that you see him do this and you're like, it looks like I could beat you in a fight, dude. Like, that just makes him even more despicable, right? That he's picking all these chumps and rolling through them. So he does it again. He finds somebody you know, who's clearly a plant, but you know, like they're a wrestling trainee or something. They're relatively charismatic. They're like, yeah, 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 let's do it. You know? And then he just beats him up and chokes him off. And then somebody else comes running out through the crowd, hops the barricade and Jeff Jarrett runs for his life. Cause Kurt angle is back. Woo. It's been a few months. He's still retired. He got beaten up, you know, sent off TV for a few months. And now he's back and Jeff Jarrett is huddling on the ramp. He's got his security all around him because I guess he's still an immortal. It never really comes up again in the feud. But like I assume that's still going on. And Kurt Angle looks around and he realizes that Jeff Jarrett stomped the crap out of this guy before he could even sign the contract. He just beat him up. And Kurt Angle picks up the clipboard and says, hey, Jeff, uh, you and I are about the same height, right? And Jeff Jarrett goes, no, no, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> and Kurt Angle says, no, 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 I think we're about the same height. So uh, all I have to do is sign this contract on the dotted line, right? And it's legally binding, right? And it's only an exhibition, so nobody's going to get hurt, right? And Jarrett is livid, <laughs> you know, because he sees where this is going. And he's like, no, Kurt, you made a promise. Don't go back on your word. You know you said you'd never wrestle again. And Kurt Angle's like, no, you're right. That's fair. I did. But this isn't a pro wrestling match. This is an <laughs> MMA open challenge. So I'm going to sign the contract. There and it is. Does. I think this is pretty great. I'm going to be honest. I If you're going to bring him back like this and kind of gimmick it, I like that, you know, they let the heel dig his own grave. By setting up the contract, by designating this as an MMA open challenge, an exhibition match, giving Kurt Angle enough room to like needle his way back in without just blatantly breaking his word right off the bat. Like, I think it's a pretty great touch. Yeah. He's still retired from professional wrestling, but at the next pay-per-view, this pay is not a professional this- wrestling match. Exactly. It's dumb, but in the best possible like pro wrestling sense of the word. So we're going to have an exhibition at Genesis, the billing for the match. Like when they're showing the poster or whatever has the word exhibition in quotes, which makes it look like it's sarcastic and it's pretty (laughs) funny, but like they clearly know what's going on here. Jeff Jarrett, again, it's good. I can't really complain except that it it just reminds me too much of Chris Jericho, but he's fully committed to this like MMA douchebag, like middle-aged dad. who's trying to prove how tough he is. They're doing the Gracie train down to the ring for his entrance. Like it's, it's pretty great. The level of commitment he has just to being this tool. Yeah. Kurt angle doesn't have a squad. He has his normal entrance. He's wearing his classic Kurt angle, like red, white, and blue singlet. The only thing he says before the match starts is he looks at, you know, Jared's crew and he's like, Hey, if any of you SOBs set foot in this ring, I'm going to break your freaking neck. Like don't, don't interfere in this match. Right. So they start to have this MMA exhibition, And it actually, it looks a lot like the brawl for all, like there's rounds, 
And I assume there's a point system. Like if it kept going, <laughs> I'll be honest, I don't know that for a fact because the only video of this match I could find was in Spanish. So presumably the announcers are like <laughs> explaining the rules, but I don't know what they are. That's funny. So you can understand like Kurt Angle and Jeff Jarrett and all the stuff that they're saying, but the commentary teams in Spanish, I don't really know what's going on, but they play it a lot more like a shoot fight. Like if you've ever seen like, again, it reminds me of the brawl for all or something like, like a pride fight from Japan where it was like essentially, you know, MMA fights, but in a four sided ring yeah. with ring ropes. That's kind of what it looks like. Like he's chasing him around. They're circling each other. Kurt Angle tries to get low and like sweep the legs, like do it, like, you know, shoot a double leg on him a few times. Eventually he stops and just lays down on his back and tells Jeff Jarrett, like, come on, come on, come get some. So it feels kind of like a shoot fight, which I guess is what they're going for. Like it works well. It's, it's fine. Except the rounds are only two minutes long. So hmm. the first round starts to wrap up. Kurt Angle's almost immediately gets Jeff Jarrett in a chokehold because he's Kurt Angle and he's a very good shoot wrestler and submission expert. And then the round ends. And Jeff Jarrett kind of staggers back to his feet. It goes back to his corner. And because they have rounds, they have corner men. Like all of Jarrett's crew set up a stool for him and start hyping him up. They're like, hey, he's nothing. He's nothing. You got this. You got this. Like straight out of a Rocky movie. There's like overhead cams that are sitting on top of them. So you can hear all the stuff that they're saying. And they're like rubbing his shoulders and pouring water on him and all this stuff. And Kurt Angle's just sitting in the corner, like leaning on the ropes alone because he doesn't have a crew. He doesn't have a stool to sit on, but he doesn't need one because he's fighting a clown <laughs> and he's a great wrestler. Like he's just stoic. And it's pretty cool, to be honest with you. So the second round starts. It's kind of the same thing. A little bit of dancing around and Kurt Angle locks in a bunch of different submissions. Every single time Jarrett's right by the ropes, breaks out on the rope. So chokehold, armbar, armbar. Ankle lock. He's got him in the ankle lock. And then the round ends again. So it's like it's frustrating, but in a way like they're using the gimmick of the match to like further the angle. Yeah. You know, in a way that makes sense, like Kurt Angle is outclassing this guy. But Jarrett is so slippery and he's this dastardly heel. He's using the rules to his advantage. And, you know, he keeps just cheating, not cheating, but like it's dirty. You know what I mean? He's not yeah. breaking out. This isn't an even fight. He just keeps getting lucky. He's a cowardly heel. Exactly. So it works. So we go to round three again. I don't I don't know if this is the final round. I don't know if there's a point system. Can't tell. It's probably being explained. But again, I don't understand the commentary. So <clears throat> they lock up and then Kurt Angle staggers backwards like he's been struck blind. And Jarrett lands a few strikes, knocks him to the ground. Kurt Angle is clearly incapacitated somehow. And then Jeff Jarrett brutalizes him with some ground and pound, busts him open, and the ref calls for the bell. I don't I don't think this was ever part of the rules. I don't think he won. I think this was a DQ. Again, mm. couldn't understand the announce team. But he didn't win via submission. He just battered him. Mm -hmm. And the only reason, like, you, what, what they tried to do, and I only noticed this because I was looking for it, but from the cornermen cameras, like up at the top of the ring, you see one of his cornermen applying some sort of foreign substance to Jeff Jarrett's arms. Mm -hmm. And then when they lock up, Jarrett is very careful to rub his arm right in Kurt Angle's face, like in his face, in his eyes. So basically they put some sort of like burning substance on his arms. He smeared it ah. into Kurt Angle's eyes. 
and won the fight. Uh, mm -hmm. You can't tell that that happened at all unless you're looking for it. But as well, we I'm sure out, that's where the announcers probably come in, too. Right. Sure. And I get that. But like we've talked about this a few times on this show. Subtlety, usually not great in pro wrestling. Nope. definitely not great when the live crowd at your fight doesn't know what's happening and doesn't mm. understand why you just lost and is kind of pissed about it. Yeah, that's not a good sign. Right. Like part of the, what makes pro wrestling so fun is that it evolved at live crowds. Like the whole point is you want whatever you're doing to be so clear that the person in the back row at Madison Square Garden can see what's happening and understand the story. Mm -hmm. This is the complete opposite of that, because even watching the fight on television with cameras, you don't really notice that it's happening until presumably the commentary team points it out to you. But. This is where, like, it really starts to kind of get sour. It, I get it. Cheat to win. You're the heel. You're the bad guy. Not really done well. The crowd doesn't know what's going on. They're annoyed. Kind of makes Kurt Angle look like a schmuck, especially since he's supposed to be retired. And, like, this is his big comeback. I just think if I'm booking this, this is where you've had the heel dig his own grave. You let Kurt Angle rough him up, win the match end the angle and move on. And if, you know, at that point he wants to say, Hey, guess what? I'm back. Like there's not really a kayfabe reason for that, but that's at least like, there is a story. Jeff Jarrett got him fired. He came back in a different thing. That wasn't a professional wrestling match, got his revenge, gets reinstated, whatever. You could have even made that a stipulation of this match. And now, yeah. Hey, great. Kurt angles back, right? This just seems like a very natural point to end this feud. And as Jeff Jarrett is standing over Kurt Angle's bleeding forehead, he says, yeah, you know what? I, I think I'm going to retire from mixed martial arts, which makes sense. That's very in character. Yeah. And you know who's going to be there with me at the retirement ceremony, Kurt Angle? I'm going to bring Karen. We brought Karen Angle back into this, everybody. Ooh, yay. So for like the fourth time since this feud started, you had an opportunity to make it like a good pro wrestling feud and tell a story that made sense and like led somewhere. And every single time we just double back on, hey, I married this guy's wife in real life. Isn't that interesting, kids? Ooh. Bro, bro, it's going to be great, bro, because this is what happens in real life, bro. People know this kind of stuff, bro. Oh, yeah. Great. Nothing makes you more mad and more into it than than a uh, reality show full on anger. Mm. So. So we've introduced, you know, we, we brought this feud back to where we all really wanted it to be in the first place. And that's Karen. Now, Jarrett, who was Kurt Angle's ex-wife in real life. Did you know? Did you know? Did you know? So. This is this is the segment that I started off looking for when I decided to do this episode. It's this one YouTube video. The way we bring Karen Angle back into this feud is we do it we do it with a tour of their family home in Nashville. Karen now happily married to Jeff has some sort of custody of the kids. They all live together with Jeff Jarrett for real in real life in his home in Nashville. So we're going to have a segment where she gives us a tour of their lovely home in excruciating detail. 
Mark, I'm going to walk you through some of the things we see here and just point them out. But the most important thing I can point out about this video, which is worse than any joke I might make, is that it is eight minutes and 51 seconds long. <laughs> I did the math here. If oh, we assume man. Like, an episode of Impact is two hours long. Yeah. And if you assume about 30 minutes or so of that are commercials. Yeah. That means that 10 percent of the show was Karen Jarrett walking around <laughs> her house talking to you. <laughs> Again, this woman, not a wrestler. No, not an entertainer at no. all. She's just a woman. She's just a person who happened to marry two professional wrestlers. But even if this were like. No, I take that back. If this were like somebody on like Chris Jericho's caliber, like somebody that good, like this could be entertaining for nine minutes. Oh, yeah. But even then, it's pretty long. Karen Jarrett cannot make this entertaining for nine minutes. The entire time, this like same 20 second loop of this terrible elevator music is playing. It's so clearly like whatever copyright free like generic elevator music they could find they crank it up pretty loudly and it's just on a loop it's not like it never ends it's the same bit every single time there's no cuts there's no editing it is from start to finish one shot so she opens the door she shows us their dining room table where you know jeff jarrett always asks the kids which again are, are Kurt Angle's actual children. He all, Jeff Jarrett always asks him about their day at the dinner table, you know, and that's just, that's the most important thing we can do as a family is just sit down and, and talk. So let's go. And we go, we go and we see the kitchen where they like to have their little snack time. And she and Jeff sit there and watch the kids have their little snacks. If we were still in the radio station studio, this is where I would pump in cricket audio. But I can't I can't do that and have Harris hear it. So the joke is lost. So I just have to explain mm. it here, which makes it right. even worse. I, I thought about pulling up music like this and just playing it. But I figured it probably wouldn't carry that well over my phone. But just imagine this entire time. Really bad elevator. Like Bossa Nova elevator music is playing in the background. <laughs> and now, you know, we see the, the kitchen counter where they have their little snacks. And then we go and we see the, the 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 kitchen, the kitchen table where the kids always sit for breakfast uh, and on the weekends lunch. This is the thing. She clearly has not been given a script at all. She clearly received the direction <laughs> like talk about the house. Uh, point out that Jeff Jarrett uh, spends a lot of time with his kids and not a lot of people do that and uh, provides for his family and not a lot of fathers do that. Sure. And I know we like to argue that like bullet points should be more of a thing and scripted promos should be more out. This is a very good counter argument. Well, yeah, if they're point. not a wrestler or performer. <laughs> right. Yes. No, all yes. for it. Give Karen Angle a script and for the love of God, just edit the video. You can have like a cut of everything like in HGTV show. We can see the house in 30 seconds. Yes, we can. We don't have to watch her then walk, you know, because we've seen the dining room table, the kitchen. We're now seeing a separate dining room table where they eat breakfast and on the weekends lunch. And Karen points out that, you know, they're the only family that she knows that always sits down to breakfast and dinner every day. 
<sighs> which I don't I, I think is not accurate. I think I, a lot of people do that. But, you know, sure. now we're now we're going into the kids rooms. This is the real like the actual children in real life. There's just a TV studio running around in their house filming their rooms and they have they have TVs in their room, Mark, because because Jeff Jarrett always provides the best. And that's just that's how that's how it is. And that's how they like it here at at the house. It would have been Jeff. so much funnier if he explained it. They have TVs so that they can watch everything that he does in uh, in wrestling. That'd be right. a much better reason. Well, you can tell like you can tell they didn't think this through because they mention watching TNA once or twice, but never to the point where it's an actual joke that you we talk about the inner circle that like puts them over as deluded heels. Mm -hmm. Right. There's never a bit where they are the butt of the joke. Like it would have been funny, for example, if we go into the kids rooms and like each of them have a framed picture of Jeff Jarrett in their rooms or something like that. Something, oh, yes, that like really over the top to be like, oh, this is so silly that like, okay, you know what I mean? Just to make it a little bit worth it. They just play like completely straight and it's terrible. Um, I I do have a question. Yeah. What is the reasoning for this segment that they explained in the show? Like they're like, all right, and now we're going to this. Why? I don't think the show ever like had an explanation for it other than like the storyline <laughs> purpose. I mean the storyline purpose is obviously oh. we're going to, you know, look at what a douchebag Jeff Jarrett is that That's he's even better living with Kurt Angle's wife and raising his children, which again, he's doing in real life. Right. But we're going to make an angle out of it. Again, there's a horrible pun in there somewhere. Sure. And He's the bad guy because he's the heel, even though he just like, I don't know, they got divorced and then presumably he fell in love with this woman. Like it's not it's not as seedy as like, you know, like the edge and Matt Hardy situation. Like they right. just they, they got divorced and then they started seeing each other. It's not that heel worthy, but I, I think it was literally just like, you know, all right. And now we're going to have a lovely tour of the Jarrett home. Like, that's it. It wasn't like. Even There's better. no home invasion or anything. It's not like the Hardy compound where like a story is going on. It's just, hey, for, again, 10% of our wrestling show, we're going to have this woman walk around a house with a camera following her. Uh, it's never like just because that's what they think the people want to see. I don't it's never really explained. Uh, There's never a moment where Jeff Jarrett is like, I'll show you Kurt Angle. I'll show you how happy your family is without you. Like it doesn't even, not even like that much of a connection. It just wow. happens one week. Wow. <coughs> so we're not, we're like two minutes into the eight minute video at this point. <laughs> I just want to make that clear. Like nothing is, Oh no, we cut all, she walks through. Harris, I don't know if I'm going to make it. This is, you know, this is where we sit here and we like to relax and, you know, unwind at the end of the day, we watch movies or TV or or TNA like she clearly just thought of that on the spot. They didn't have the foresight or creativity to be like, yeah, we watch highlights of Jeff Jarrett every night, <laughs> right. you know, something like that. Just a little over the top to make this, this actually so entertaining. Easy. It's so easy. It is. Again, this is the kind of thing where you're like, I see what you're trying to do and somebody else could have done it so much better. Yes. That's that's really this angle just in a think. nutshell. Just just give it a, a two minutes of thought and and it and you, you can hit all the all the one oh one points. I mean, here's the make. problem with this. I'm going to harp on this again. 
in Vince Russo's mind, this is not a joke. This is super serious, bro, because this is like Kurt Angle's wife, bro. That's the problem with this entire thing is that they're making it personal and over the top, but they don't go over the top with it. They're just like, no, this is super serious. You're going to get into this. So now Uh, she's walking and we see another kid's bedroom. They have a lot of kids. And then, oh, now we're in the now we're in the master bedroom. You know, this this right here. This is where Jeff Jarrett does some of his best work. Cause he's, cause he's doinking her Mark. It's really, it's super serious, man. It's yeah. Yeah. And it's, and, and here's, and here's her bathroom where, you know, Jeff Jarrett has renovated this nice bathtub for her. Cause she's a big fan of bubble baths, which is sexual. Wow. I, how I hellish. Right. Yeah. Like I, you know, cause she's a woman and that's like a, feminine slightly provocative thing to say i don't know and now we see and we're in her closet and it's a big closet and she has a lot of shoes because jeff jarrett she says his full name a lot which is kind of funny i don't think that's intentional this is where jeff jarrett you know spares no expense for her because that's just you know that's just what he is and that's just that's just how we like it so if you follow me all the way to the basement and again we just we just follow her to the basement there's not like a cut Oh, boy. It's just let me walk around back through the living room down two sets of stairs. And now we're in the basement and here's another kid's room. That's lovely. And then here's another kid's room. And that's lovely. And all our kids have trophies because because they're all winners. And the reason they're all winners is because Jeff Jeff Jarrett takes the time to be with them and take them to practice and takes an interest in them. You know, and not a lot of parents take interest in their kid. Cause again, that was one of the two bullet points she has. So she said it about seven times at this point. Yeah. They're definitely not all winners because their actual father is an athletic specimen. <laughs> right. Okay. So by the way, she's talking about these kids and I'm picturing them in like high school because like, I don't, I don't know. I just, I, I knew when they got married and I guess it would be like, you know, I'm thinking they're going to be like preteens at this point, maybe, or something like older, you know, older kids because she's talking about their trophies and at one point she points out yeah this girl is the basketball star undefeated jeff jarrett played basketball when he was little i'm just like what is the okay is it a is it on her high school team how much has she played basketball how is she undefeated how much basketball has she played these are the questions you have when you're watching this woman just kind of slowly walk around her house also the funny part is all of these kids are all of jarrett's kids because Angle's kids were way younger at this point. Angle only had two kids with uh, Karen Angle. And I think I was looking it up earlier. I think they were born like 2002 and 2006, something like that. So they're like not that old at this point. Well, so, yeah, so we'll get to that. So now we're going to make our way back upstairs. Yay. We're still running. It's been like five minutes at this point. Again, there's no cuts. There's no edits. That music is still playing. If you just cue that, you just keep that on loop in your head the entire time I've been talking because it's still happening without any like real change or break Brilliant. whatsoever. So we go all the way back upstairs. And this is, you know, this is just this is another this is another room where we like to relax and hang out. And, you know, and the girls, 
there's a piano here because the girls take lessons. Did you know Jeff took lessons when he was a child? Sometimes he gives the girls piano lessons. And this is – which is funny because in the middle of all this, I'm like, well, yeah, he plays guitar. So it makes sense that he's probably musical in other ways. Like he probably can play Now, to piano. be fair, I, I've never seen him play the guitar. <laughs> I've only seen him hit people with a guitar. Yeah, that's fair. We but have you seen Kurt Angle with- play the guitar. Oh, my God, that's amazing. I never even (laughs) thought of that. Well, I mean, play with quotation marks, but if they were smart, that's the thing, dude. If they were smart at all, they could have pointed all this stuff out. And when she's like, yeah, the girls have a lot of musical talent. And then like the kid could be there playing Jimmy Crack Corn and I don't care. I got (laughs) Olympic gold. Like, just do that. And then it's hilarious because then she clearly got her talent from her dad. And that's right. Right. Like, oh, man, but they don't do that. It's just it's just this boring woman continuing to talk. And she that should be a new segment. Harris, with the show oh, is when we take these ridiculous angles and we rebook them into better ones. Yeah. And it, here's the thing. It's so easy with Kurt Angle because he's so good at whatever mm-hmm. you ask him to do. And it doesn't matter because Jeff Jarrett and his wife are driving this feud. Side note, by the way. How much different would Jeff Jarrett be just like as a person if his thing was hitting people with pianos instead of guitars? That would be great. It's very difficult, but it would be awesome. How do you gimmick a piano? That's a great assignment. I need you to gimmick <laughs> this piano so that I can smash it over someone's head. I, anyway, I, I would love to see that. See, I'm, I'm having too much fun talking about the good stuff because the video is still happening. She's still talking. We're now, I guess, in the upstairs portion of the house. And this is this is another one of the places where we like to just relax at the end of the day and watch TV or watch movies and and snuggle up under the blankets. And, you know, a lot of loving because that's the thing. You know, most parents these days don't take the time to snuggle with their children. Those are actual words that she says. Sure, sure. And again, like in a better Mm. angle, I think you could have like pushed this a little bit and made it like acknowledge that what she just said is super weird because it is. No, just keeps she clearly is just winging it, just making all of this up. And then we turn the corner and oh, okay, here we go, kids. Now it's big. It's time to look at Big Daddy's office. (laughs) Harris, I'm dying. (laughs) Okay, we're getting near the end here. You know, like. This is, again, like, this is not intentional, but it's so funny that if they had done it intentionally, it would have acted like this could have been a great segment and we might, I I wouldn't be talking about this this way. But, like, she turns the corner and, like, this is a fairly, like, McMansion-y kind of house. Like, it's relatively tacky. They have two living rooms, clearly, like, upstairs and downstairs with couches and a big TV and nothing else. Like, it's, it's not decorated that well. It's just your typical, like pretty big house for a family of four kids. Mm -hmm. And then they go to, you know, like a lot of houses, especially a lot of big houses have this room that nobody's ever actually in. It's just like a sitting room to have right off to a side. It is almost completely empty. There is no furniture in sight. There is one bare table with one laptop on it. (laughs) And Jeff Jarrett just sitting there in front of the laptop, not even touching it, just like, oh, hey, honey, this is my office. He's never been in that room in his (laughs) life. 
it is so clear that they were just like, uh, yeah, this is the office. Let's put something on this table. Yeah, what does Jeff Jarrett need an office for? He doesn't. <laughs> and it's so clear. It's just like a sitting room with like a few. It's, you know, like memorabilia on the walls. And that's all it's for. And then they set up a table and a single laptop like 10 minutes before they started shooting. And he's just been sitting in this empty room for eight minutes waiting for his wife to make her way back upstairs <laughs> so they can engage in like some really lame banter about how much they like each other. Brilliant. It's very funny because the second like – I don't know. Watch it if you want. But the best part of this video is just when the camera pans to him and you're like he's never done work in that room a day in his life. <laughs> and it's abundantly clear. It's pretty great. And again, just – just lean into that a little bit more. Just make it even smaller. Just do something even weirder with it. You know, they just. But no, he's just got to sit there and pretend that, you know, oh, yeah, I'm just I'm just sitting here. They should have just had him be in working. a closet. <laughs> Karen's like, and this yeah. is where Jeff works and opens up a closet. Like, Can I come out yet? No, no, <laughs> no, honey. Yeah, you know. And he's got, you know, he's got he's got a TV on the wall in his office, which is it's very nice because, you know, Jeff, Jeff Jarrett spared no expense. And that's right. just that's just how we like it here. And not every family does that. It's the same two bullet points again. Yeah. There is a great there's a great little bit of heel work that I think somebody actually figured out for her where she's like she's got a picture of the two of them on their wedding day right below the TV. And she's like, you know, I like to think sometimes. Jeff is, is pretending he's watching TV, but really he's just looking at this picture of us. And I think that's really sweet. And you're like, that's that's pretty good. That's a great, yeah, insane I'll, thing yeah, for I'll you give to him, say. I'll give him that. And she goes back over to the other side of the office because, again, this is clearly just like their memorabilia room in the house. And she's like, yeah, this is this is my favorite picture in the whole house. And she points to a framed photo of Jeff Jarrett smashing a guitar over Kurt Angle's head. All right. Which that's, is a, that's good. It's a good little good. heel moment, right? It actually develops her as a character. It's also you know what would be even funnier is if it was a wedding photo of uh, Karen Angle and Kurt Angle with Jeff Jarrett's he head pasted over Kurt. Right, Angle. dude, that would be that's great. Exactly. Like, there's so many ways that you could dial this up just a little bit more to the point where it became really wild and entertaining. But again, no, bro, this is super serious, bro, because yeah. he's like sleeping with Kurt Angle's wife, and she loves him now, bro. Right, because like they're, they're married. Right, it's dude. But the the best part about that is, while it would be funnier if it was some like cutout of Jeff Jarrett's face over Kurt Angle's face at their wedding or something, it is funny because that's clearly like actually part of their house. It's not like his desk and the laptop. Like they do have a framed photo of him smashing a guitar over Kurt Angle's <laughs> head in their house. It's real. Like it's high quality. It looks. It, it's a nice photo. That's pretty funny in and of itself. But again, that's pretty great. Not for the right reasons, like not for the storyline reasons. And then this is where this is where we're jumping the shark. Yeah, boy. She says, oh, look, honey, look, the kids are home. And then all the kids come running up. Now, I'd, I I said earlier, I thought they were older. And it, it's at this moment that I realize, no, they're not. And. Some of them, if not all of them, are literally Kurt Angle's biological children. Like you can see it. Like the boy, the youngest one, is about four years old. Right. The girls are probably like, you know, like six, seven, eight. It's four kids. Yeah. They're very young. The two of them are right. Kurt's. The boy is. Okay. And he one looks, of the girls. Dude, 
And then two of the the other two girls are Jared's kids. Okay. So the two, the boy looks just like Kurt Angle, like a lot. Like it's genuinely, it's, it's kind of sad. I mean, you know, it's like, this happens, but the fact that they are, this is where this really like jumps the shark as an angle. And this is why it was featured on historically significant disasters of wrestling, because they make these literal children who are all like dressed up in their Sunday best. Like they're the Von Trapp family or something. It's really weird. (laughs) Because she says it like, oh, the kids are home. Like they just got back from soccer practice or something. But they just come prancing up the stairs and they're like perfectly dressed. It's super weird. And then they're like, all right, everybody, you know, say say hey to Daddy Jeff. And all the kids are like, hi, Daddy Jeff, which is weirder (laughs) if two of them are actually his kids. Right. I assumed they were all Angle's kids. But either way, super weird to make two kids who are going through a divorce, who are adjusting to living with a stepdad. Be like, all right, now come out here in front of the camera and call him daddy. That's exactly what they do. And that's how this segment ends. Because they've kids been married like, for like a year. Like, yeah, maybe yeah. at this point. So yeah, it's, it's like, not like this is still new. Yeah. And like, it, it's not as bad as if like there hadn't been a five month hiatus before all this started. But it's still so fresh. And these kids are so young. And I'm sure like maybe for the older ones, especially it's sort of like it's fun and we'll play pretend. But like I feel bad for these kids. It's it's in really bad taste. I don't like it. They're not old. Like if they're like, you know, like Dominic's age, if they're old, like grownups, then I, I get it. But they're just little kids. And it's really Dominic's it's age. Dominic was what? Nine. No, I mean, when, now. when and Eddie mean, Guerrero Dominic was now. his dad like, and is fighting over his his custody of him. Uh, but you know what he didn't have to do is. And also, you know, what the difference like, is, is it was all made up. Right. <laughs> he wasn't actually living with Eddie Guerrero and he right. didn't get trotted out on camera. And Eddie Guerrero wasn't actually his Eddie dad. Guerrero daddy. Right. And, and Eddie Guerrero role. wasn't his real life dad that now they're turning it into a story angle. And presumably like. Ray and Eddie were pretty good friends in real life. So he's like, right. oh, OK, cool. This is just dad and his friends playing around. Not like, right. hey, yeah, mommy doesn't love daddy anymore. She loves this new man. And now I have to say I love you, daddy, Jeff. Right. In front of a camera crew. Right. It's just, dude, it's gross. It's it's really bad. And the angle ends with Karen angle, not the angle, the, the, the video mercifully after nine minutes. And once again, Uh no cuts, no edits. The music's still playing. If you thought it wasn't, it is. (laughs) Says, oh, look, kids, I was just showing everyone our favorite picture in the house. And it's it's Daddy Jeff smashing a guitar over Kurt Angle's head. And they say, Daddy Kurt's head. Yeah. Yeah. And they say, what's your favorite picture? And the kids, you can tell, like, maybe the two oldest ones that are Jeff Jarrett's. I'm not sure. Like the two oldest ones are into it. And like they know they're play acting. So they turn around and they're like that one. And it's a picture of like the TNA roster, basically, like after a pay-per-view or something, just a big like photo of everyone at a party. Yeah. And they're like, why? Why is that one your favorite kids? And they're like in unison. It's kind of creepy. But, you know, they're they're not good actors and they're being coached off camera. Clearly, they're like, because it has Aunt Dixie in it. And then Jeff Jarrett gets really mad. And says, I told you never to mention that name in this house. I don't know why she's in the picture if he hates her so much. I don't know why. When did this become an angle? 
I don't know. That's a great question. I guess he's just always kind of low-key hated Dixie, too. It's never explained in this portion of the angle. Oh, my gosh. And then the video ends with him making them all line up in front of them one at a time and saying, I'm sorry, Daddy, for liking the picture that isn't Jeff Jarrett smashing Kurt Angle over the head with his guitar. And then the video ends. And I'm going to be honest with you. When I set out to do this, I thought, oh, okay. So, like, that'll be the big, like, go-home tease. And, like, hey, here's this stupid offensive thing that happens. And then there's some sort of blow-off match. And I realized today that this feud would go on for six more months and we're already an hour and a half into the show and I can't continue to cover it. So I'm not sure. So I'm stopping here. I'm not sure yet. Y'all have to tune in in two weeks to see if anything else remotely this close to this stupid happens again. But like just for the seventh time in this show, if you're going to do this and if you've already botched it seven times and then you're going to run the angle where we tour the home and daddy Jeff and blah, 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 blah. Surely this is like the big twist of the knife before the go home pay-per-view where we resolve the feud and it's not. It just keeps going. It just keeps going. So I think I, I think I'm going to pick this back up in two weeks. I'm not sure if it'll go anywhere, but I'll at least look into it and report back. But all of this is bad. They botched this a lot. <laughs> it, it, there, there are glimpses of it being fun. Some of it genuinely is fun. Like the MMA stuff is fun. And they just never know when to stop. They never know when to pivot into something that makes like actual wrestling sense or provides satisfying payoff to a wrestling angle. They just keep going and they just keep making it stupidly, insultingly personal. It's, it's really, really bad. Nice. It's really, really bad. Nice. Once again, I cannot stress this enough. Eight minutes and 51 seconds. Oh, I no believe it, Harris. And no edits. I felt whatsoever. every one of those minutes. I know. Oh, and I know I described it for angle. longer than the actual video, but it's just <laughs> it's just astonishing. And I didn't even realize until I'm describing it to you how it could have been good. Yeah. But it could have been. Well, really OK, fine. well, it couldn't have been it couldn't really have been all that great, but it could have been much better. Yeah, well, it could have been, you know, like goofy and fun and not just this. Mm-hmm. And I hope those kids Ugh. are OK, man, especially the little one. The little boy looks exactly like Kurt Angle and he's got like two front teeth missing and he's just adorable. And I, I worry about him. It's it's pretty bad. It's it's like yeah. Vince Russo. Maybe not quite at his worst, but it's up there, man. Oh, boy. <sighs> Thank you, Vince. <laughs> oh, man. Don't be named Vince and be in wrestling. Or you're I mean, gonna one end of them has been very weird. successful. Yeah, but also really dumb at the same time. Again, we've talked about it a million times, just the anomaly that is Vince Vincent Kennedy McMahon Jr. Um, yeah. Vince Russo is another anomaly, but for different reasons, more for how in the world did this guy work for so long? That's more of it's, why he's an anomaly. It's honestly bad. Like, I, I don't know. I think, you know, I have this tendency to think like, oh, well, was he really that bad just because it's so popular for everyone to bag on him? It's true. And right, well, then you watch stuff like this and you're just like, man, 
you had so many opportunities to make something interesting happen and you doubled down on like the dumbest, most insensitive and least interesting thing you could have possibly done. Yeah. Vince Russo is so bad that Eric Bischoff, after basically being fired from WCW in like 99, was brought back to WCW in early 2000 just to keep Vince Russo at bay. (laughs) <laughs> that was literally why he was hired back is because they hired Vince Russo, gave him this huge contract because he sold everyone on that. He was the brains behind attitude era, biggest con job in history. Mm-hmm. And um, and then within like a couple of weeks, they realized they had made a huge mistake, but they couldn't just fire him because then that makes everyone look terrible. <laughs> and so instead, they rehired Bischoff to be like, we need you to keep Vince Russo at bay or at least try and and be a mediator between his stupid ideas and what actually happens. Didn't work out too well, but uh, mm. they tried. No kidding. Oh, like, I, oh, man, I feel like his entire M.O. is like, oh, let's give something unexpected yes, and controversial. That's all he is. He's a shock jock. And it's like it's all Booker. this. You know what it is? It's because as a wrestling fan, like I fell in love with wrestling with the angles that effectively integrate aspects of real life into the wrestling angle. That's very hard to do. But you see something like the pipe bomb or like Daniel Bryan's run or, you know, somebody like Bailey where they're like, you're too nice. You'll never be successful. I mean, you know, like you're too much of a baby face. Fans won't really like you. Like you can integrate that in ways that's super good and super interesting. So hey, as an early in, in a fan, really messy thing, they were able to do it with Matt Hardy and Edge in 2005. Yeah. And you talk about a situation that couldn't really have been any worse or more hostile. And they made yeah. that work. Yeah. But then, like, you just see over and over and over again his. I don't even want to say hatred, his ignorance of, like, why people like wrestling and the fact yeah. that like people are willing to go along with the work and you don't have to try to be double crossing us into a shoot every chance you get. And so many of like the like bona fide top 10 on anyone's list, worst things to ever happen in wrestling are Vince Russo saying, no, nah, bro, it'll be crazy because it'll be like people will think it's <laughs> real. Uh, yeah. And yeah, that's I've, I've we've talked about this for too long, frankly, but that's the cardinal sin of this particular angle. Again, there's a terrible pun in there somewhere, <laughs> but it's that like you could have made this an over the top goofy like Chris Jericho in AEW caliber heel moment. And it wouldn't have been as insensitive one to the fact that this was a real life divorce and kind of a messy situation. But two, by not playing it so like close to home in terms of how realistic everything is, you get him over as a heel and you get people to root for Kurt Angle more. Yeah. Instead, by playing it straight and trying to pretend that it's all very serious, you just want it to be off your television. You just change the channel. Yep. It's it's bad. It's bad. I'm done talking about it. I talked about it for too long. I'm sorry. I'm done. All right. Everyone follow us on Twitter at behind underscore gorilla. Um, follow back wrestling fans also follow us on Instagram same handle at behind underscore gorilla we're also on Facebook although I just post links to the episodes don't really do much there and uh, yeah you can follow me on Twitter at Marky Mark Brand and I'm at Harris Wilson go watch some Kurt Angle highlights he's yeah, very entertaining he is. it's not his fault at, at everything he does entertaining 
every aspect of the business he pretty much nails um yeah so cleanse your palate with some good current angle that's a good idea all right folks thanks so much for listening to this episode behind the grill we'll be back next week with another stupid dumb insane offensive who knows wrestling <laughs> angle and uh yeah if you have anything you want us to touch on make sure and check that uh make sure and let us know on uh on twitter we always like to hear suggestions from from you guys all right that does it for this one again i'm mark and i'm harris have a great week